What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What is up, everybody? And welcome to episode 8 of the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are a Star Trek podcast. Uh, We're on the Promenade, just like in DS9. I just managed to sneak a plate from Captain Sisko's cookout. I I had some chicken stir-fry. It was pretty, pretty good. I'm David Majors, and I'm joined by my co-host, Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What's up, guys? And I am super excited for this episode, because as I mentioned at the end of this of uh, our last episode, I had an idea for a theme for this week. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't realize, uh, June is Pride Month, where we celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. And so that's going to be the theme of our three sections today is talking about some pride and some queer representation in Star Trek. So I want to wish everybody here a happy Pride Month to all the listeners and Trekkies everywhere. So for this episode, everybody, and for new listeners, uh, we do uh, old business, uh, new business, and upcoming business. So for this episode, I'm going to do a little bit of hanging back. I'm going to let Heather take the con. Heather, you have the bridge for this episode, and let's get us started with the old business. All right, so old business. Old business is the section where we dive into what we might call vintage Trek. That's anything from the Enterprise and before. Uh, So the series of the 90s as well as the 60s. Uh, Today in old business, we are going to be talking about a certain character who also resides on Deep Space Nine with us on the promenade. Her name is Jadzia Dax. Well, not just Jadzia Dax, because we're going to be talking about Dax in general. Uh, Dax is kind of the epitome of queer representation on Star Trek before Star Trek Discovery. Uh, So... <laughs> Sorry, you caught me off guard there. I didn't know I was no problem. taking the, taking command. I, I of guess this I was. <laughs> I guess I was trying to be an ally. I guess and and, yeah. <laughs> and letting you take this episode since it is Pride Month and this is your idea. But yeah, like Heather said, Jadzia Dax, uh, the operations officer on DS Nine, uh, Benjamin Sisko's old friend, the Trill joined Trill that has lived seven lifetimes, some with men, some with women. And if you remember from the What We Left Behind documentary, I or Bear uh, made a point to to say that uh, in regards to Dax, he wanted to bring up the issues of gender identity and sexuality uh, through Jadzia on DS9. And uh, I will ask you, Heather, um, how did you feel about how they did with DS9? And and what are some of the things about Dax uh, regarding queer issues that, that stood out to you particularly? I think uh, one of the th- biggest things about Dax and, and Trill in general is really um, their identity. 
uh, that's something that a lot of queer people can relate to is kind of how to find the identity of themselves. And that's something that a lot of Trill, or at least join Trill, uh, have to do in order to deal with the symbiote and their past lives and all the memories that they carry with them is that they still have to find their own identity and where they stand. And Dax is, is really a shining example of that uh, because at, at least when you look at Jadzia, she had to go through the training. She actually did it twice because she got washed out the first time uh, and decided that this, this was the identity for her. And so she believed in that enough to go back through the training to finally be joined. And you see like one of the episodes I watched leading up to knowing we were going to talk about this is uh, facets where she gets to actually meet all the other Dax hosts uh, during the trill ceremony. And so you see how like just little things from different hosts uh, make an imprint on her identity and how she carries herself. But then also how after she's become join, uh, all, all these host memories are a part of her. And so it, it feels like she's missing something without them. And, and I think that's one of the big reasons why queer people can really relate to Dax as a whole, because uh, they understand that identity journey. <laughs> And what it feels like to not completely feel whole because you're not living your true life. You're keeping a part of yourself from people because you don't want to be rejected or you don't want to be uh, misunderstood. Uh, so that, that that's one of the, the big ways, the, like the, the more subtle ways why Dax as a character uh, relates to a queer representation. I mean, you can talk about the obvious one, which is that, uh, oh, I, I'm going to blank on her name, but uh, Dax's former uh, wife. Uh, Khan, I believe. I believe her name yes. was. Uh, yes. Was, last name was Khan. That was episode 78 of DS9, Rejoined, uh, where Jedzia, um, now in the. Jedzia host for the Dax symbiote uh, ran into a past lover of one of the old hosts, Lenara Khan. That's who it was. Uh, I believe she Khan, was okay. one of one of Curzon's old flames. Curzon. No, 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 uh, not Curzon. Tobin. Tobin. Pilot, Tobin. I think. My fault. Okay. Um. Fault. It. 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 Uh, it was the, 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 the pilot who died in a, a crash unexpectedly was uh, her former husband, Lenara Khan's husband. Right. And so and um, Tobin was a man. Yes. Uh, and now Jazia is a woman. Uh, and it was specifically said that one of the things in Trill society is that uh, joined Trill uh, in new hosts are not allowed to interact with uh, people from lives of past hosts. Uh, that that was a big rule in Trill society. And on this episode, <laughs> spoiler alert, everybody, Dax broke some rules. <laughs> uh, 
Always the rule breaker, old man. Uh, but yeah, Heather, uh, we were just going to talk about this episode. Uh, rejoined. Uh, I- I'm guessing you wanted to bring this episode up, so I'll let you cover it. I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, like I said, I talked about the more subtle ways where Dax is queer representation. This one is obviously not so subtle. It's the very first uh, same-sex kiss on Star Trek. Uh, between Lenara Khan and Jadzia Dax. And it, it's really an important moment, especially for the time that it aired. I mean, it aired during the 90s where that's uh, queer representation wasn't as prominent on TV as it is nowadays. So to see a mainstream show like Star Trek be willing to fully go there and show these two women, even though she used to be a man, uh, still have the same feelings for her and it, it, for each other. And it's just an ultimate representation of the fact that love is love. Love doesn't hold a boundary on gender. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a man and a woman or both a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or alien, considering we're talking. Yeah, or Klingon, considering we're talking about Star Trek here. Love is love. And this is the one true example. uh, As much as people can sit there and theorize about uh, all sorts of headcanons between different Star Trek characters, and whether they're really queer or not, this is the one true example that Jedzia as a whole was definitely a queer person and that's okay even though she broke so many rules when it comes to Trill society that's still okay because get it together old man <laughs> yeah. uh, she in this episode she considers literally giving up her entire career just to be with this woman and I, I think that's really a powerful choice because that that's also something that a lot of people have to consider in their lifetime, whether you're in a heterosexual relationship or not. Sometimes you have to choose between a career and a relationship and you, it's a hard choice. <laughs> it, it, it really is because there's uh, you, you really have to, sit there and figure out how much that love really means to you. And it's something that a lot of people can relate to. And I I don't fault Jadzia for choosing her career ultimately. Uh, But it's a powerful episode. It's one that a lot of people turn to, especially when they look at at Dax and how uh, she's impacted them. And it, it's a shining moment in Star Trek, especially in the Rick Berman era, where uh, queer representation could have Wasn't and should have shown up a lot more. And, and this is the one example where it did actually break through. So, And that's fantastic. It really is. Uh, as we know, uh, Jed Zia did find love uh, in Lieutenant Commander Worf as he arrived on DS9. Uh, They eventually got married. 
but Jadzia was lost in the Dominion War. Uh, and later on, uh, during the Dominion War, when Jadzia died, uh, the, the Dak symbiont was transferred to Ezri Teigen, uh, someone who was trill but not completely trained and ready to be joined at the time. Uh, I've said on previous episodes, uh, I'm a big Ezri Dax guy. I would love to see in newer incarnations of Star Trek uh, to see a return of Ezri Dax. I think that's a character that only got one season, and there's a ton you can explore with that. Uh, Heather, I think that given the Dax symbiote and given Ezri, uh, I feel like there's a ton we could explore with Ezri. Uh, how, how did you feel about her? I I definitely feel like there was a lot to explore with Ezri. And like I said, I, I really enjoyed her as a character a lot more than Jadzia. Uh, because one of the things she really struggled with without, like you, you saw, and I, I talked about earlier about how Jadzia went through the training and this was the identity that she chose for herself because she, she wanted to be a joint trail. Ezri didn't have that opportunity. She really got thrown into a situation where, uh, she had to take the symbiote in order to save its life. Uh, otherwise, Dax would have died. And, and all of the memories of the uh, six hosts that came before her would have died along with him. So she really got put between a rock and a hard place. And she ultimately saved the symbiote's life by joining with it. But then she goes through a process of really having to discover who she is now that she's a join trill rather than who she was beforehand when she was unjoined and just a regular person working on being a counselor on a starship and having no interest whatsoever in having a symbiote with multitudes of other host memories uh inside of her so that's what one of the things i really including a a former husband that was right there on the station (laughs) yeah Uh, definitely so that that's one of the things i really appreciate about esri's journey is that her her entire journey through season seven is kind of finding out who she is now uh with as Ezri Dax instead of Ezri Tegan. And like you see her go through the process of, of dealing with the different memories and, and not knowing where they came from. And like them putting Jadzia's Ractagino in front of her and her being like, oh, this is disgusting. I don't like Ractagino. Why am I drinking it? Uh, dealing with uh, Jadzia's feelings towards Worf and realizing that's ultimately not her own feelings uh that they they were coming from her former host and and having to deal with that and and just sort of figuring out her own identity and and that's like like i talked about earlier when i started talking about jedzia that that's something a lot of queer people go through is, is finding their own identity in the feelings that they have like i'm almost 33 years old and I didn't completely come out to myself or really admit to myself that I was queer until I was 30. (laughs) 
So it 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 it's a journey that a lot of queer people can relate to that they they have all these feelings and they don't know what to do with them and they have to figure out how that fits into them and their identity as a person and Esri really exemplifies that. And we both agree that there's plenty of room to explore that beyond DS9. Uh, let's move into new business, where we talk about things that are happening in the current Star Trek world, uh, whether it's Discovery, Picard, maybe even the J.J. The Abrams movies. We might throw those in there, too. But right now, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. We're, we're all super excited for Season 3. And on the podcast, we've been doing sort of a character-by-character glimpse into what we think might happen for Season 3. Our our character predictions for Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. And this episode, uh, coinciding with the Pride Month theme, is the guy that is my favorite character in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, The scientist behind the spore drive, uh, Lieutenant Commander Paul Stamets. Uh, my favorite character in Discovery. Uh, but Heather, I'm going to let you go first. We're talking about season three of Discovery. Uh, what are you seeing for Paul Stamets? Well, Stamets is ironically also my favorite character in Star Trek Discovery as well. Um, I, I, I have never related to a character on such a personal level as I have with Stamets, there's so many different things about him that are that I I just see in myself, and I want to see so much more. Uh, one of the big things that I would love to see in season three uh, is him dealing with his connection to the spore drive and the mycelial network and the abilities that having tardigrade DNA in himself gives him and what makes him stand out from other people and how he can use them to help the ship in different situations. And you see him deal with that a lot in season one when he gets to the mirror universe and has to figure himself back out and and he's blacking out and seeing the two different universes um you don't really see a lot of that in season two there's only the one episode where his uh ability to see different timelines uh is used to help them get out of that time vortex trapped time bubble thing that captain pike and and uh, Ash Tyler were stuck in. So I would love to see them explore more of that side of Stamets because I think that's an area where he can excel uh, just to really show off not just his, his scientific stuff, but, but show off the, the different abilities that he has as a person now because he possesses tardigrade DNA. Um, other than that, I think him and Culver deserve a nice, loving, happy relationship. <laughs> but I wish that for everyone on Discovery. And it hasn't quite happened yet. We're going to get there eventually. <laughs> I just want them all to be happy. 
Uh, but yeah, that, that's my. I, I I wouldn't necessarily call it a pre- prediction because I not quite sure where where they're headed with him in season three. But that's what I would love I, to see I happen I, in season three. I definitely have an idea. I I think I really do. Uh, and I, I'm gonna really deep dive here. Uh, because. As I've said, Paul Stamets is my favorite character in Discovery. I think his personality is one that I really, really connect with. Uh, his story arc over just the two seasons of Discovery is absolutely phenomenal. I think he's had more depth and, and character growth and events happen to him in two seasons of Star Trek Discovery than I think I've seen from maybe any Star Trek character. He's been through a lot in two seasons. And yes. to come out of it in one piece with a little bit of tardigrade DNA uh, is really a testament to how well-written and how deep a character he is. And I see season three. Uh, and I remember, if you remember in the little teasers and trailers, uh, you remember that the, the flag of the United Federation of Planets uh, in the distant future doesn't have as many stars as it used to. And yeah. we've been given the idea that the Federation is not as big as it once was in the distant future. I think that Paul Stamets and his scientific knowledge of the spore drive and all of this tardigrade DNA and everything he's done with the mycelial network, I think he is going to play a major, major, major role in the return of the Federation as a major power in the future. I think he's going to do something, whether it's the Spore Drive, whether it's the Mycelial Network, or some future scientific discovery that we haven't even figured out yet. He is going to do something really, really big in Season 3, that is really going to make the Federation a power in the galaxy again, because I think he's the guy to do it. Yeah, Michael Burnham's the star, but more often than not, she's off doing her own thing and finding something out for herself. And I, I think that it's Paul Stamets that will be the guy that will do something really big in season three. And he'll yell at Tilly because Tilly can be annoying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that one, he is going to do something really, really big in season three. And yes, we did see the barrier gaze trope in the first season, but I'm fairly confident going forward with Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Dr. Culver, Hugh Culver and Stamets will be just fine. I think they're going to be okay. I truly believe that. Uh, as you said, Heather, love is love. And when you look at those two and what they've been through, uh, they have been through sickness and health. And they they even went through till death do us part. And they're still <laughs> together. So I, I think Culver and Stamets are going to be okay. I believe that. Well, as Wilson Cruz loves to say... Gay love saved the universe, so their love is, is going to be okay. And mushrooms. 
there, there's the episode title. Let me write that down. Gay Love and Mushrooms <laughs> Save the Universe. That, that's, that is the show title. Happy Pride Month. But yeah, those are our predictions for Paul Stamets. Uh, let's just say it now, Heather. What should we do for next episode? Which one? Which character from Discovery should we do next? Uh, you we've know, done Burnham, I, we've done Saru, now we've done Paul Stamets. I'm leaning towards Giorgio, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All I'm right. Okay that. All right, next week it will be Michelle Yeo's Emperor Philippa Giorgio, and we'll have some predictions for her on the next episode. Now, with upcoming business, this is the part where we talk about stuff that may be a little bit further down the line uh, in the Star Trek. Uh, right now, uh, Star Trek Picard uh, Season 1 is in the can, but there was a much-talked-about moment in the Season 1 finale uh, in the last scene of Star Trek Picard, where we saw Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan, and Rafi... Uh, played by the amazing Michelle Hurd, uh, holding hands at a table. And looked like they were playing a game or something, holding hands. And this caused a lot of discussion. And Jerry Ryan uh, recently confirmed on Twitter that Seven of Nine is bisexual. Uh, and this got a lot of people talking about what the future might hold for Seven of Nine and Rafi. Uh, Heather, how did you feel, one, about seeing that scene in Picard, two, Jerry Ryan confirming that Seven of Nine is bisexual, and three, what what do you see for the two of them going forward? I loved that scene. I, and I mean, it's just such a tiny little thing, but it's something that I picked out right away when I was watching that episode. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, it, it's really seven, uh, being, and Jerry confirming that seven is bisexual. I, it, it makes me feel so good inside <laughs> to be honest. And I, I have been a big supporter of the fact that seven being bisexual in Picard is natural. It's not something that came out of nowhere. Um, it, it, it's something that seven as a character went on her own identity journey which we didn't see because there have been 20 plus years since we last saw her on Voyager. And when we first met seven, she was disconnected from the Borg for the very first time uh, since before she was a little child. So she never had the opportunity to go on her own relationship journey and understand what she what sort of identity she was and she she was finding her own identity and yes in voyager we saw her uh have relationships with men we saw her go on dates with other men uh we saw her in a relationship with chakotay but that doesn't mean that she can't love women as well because when you look at it, she never got to go through the prepubescent experience of uh, being a teenager 
or a high schooler and just having all those hormones and not knowing which way they go from here or there. Uh, so she's doing this as an adult. And yes, when we first meet her, she has relationships with men. But somewhere between where we left her on Voyager and where we meet her on Picard, she's gone on this identity journey and she realizes that she loves women just as much as she can love men. And it, 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 it it's not something that comes out of nowhere because it's a journey that a lot of bisexuals like myself have been on so it's something that we can relate to and when people online who are sit there and going well why didn't they mention Chakotay and and she's always liked men why does she just like women now hold on you don't have to question did you actually see that out there yeah yeah Mm. I I mean I I really got into it with a few people who were very adamant uh, because Chakotay wasn't brought up at all in Picard that Seven's identity as a bisexual in Picard is invalid and it's not the same character that they knew. And it, it's, it was really hurtful to me to see people say that because even when I, I'm trying to talk to them as a bisexual woman, as someone who has been on that journey, who has only dated men, I've never dated a woman, but that doesn't make me any less bisexual because I can tell you right now, I find women attractive. I've just never been on a date with one. And it, it, it's hurtful to see people who just claim that that that's not a thing it, it, it's like they're looking at your own identity and going you're not valid because you can sit there and say you like women but you've never been on a date with a woman and seven's only been in relationships with man so her going on a date with a woman isn't valid right now because i don't believe it it it's i i saw many comments like that and it 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 really struck a chord with me because i related to seven's journey and to see people invalidating her character's journey just because they couldn't relate to it is part of the issue when we talk about queer representation and, and it, that's when I that's when I start swearing at people. By the way, for the new <laughs> listeners, since this is the the new age of Star Trek, I, I'm the one that's not afraid to swear. So yeah, the the idea that this was happening it, it really is antithetical to what Star Trek has shown us for years and years and years. Uh, it reminds me of the episode of The Next Generation where they, the Enterprise, uh, met the aliens that were genderless. And Will Riker uh, had something with one of them where he, he was attracted to this alien, but also at the same time realized it was genderless and it wasn't exactly on the at the time the gender binary that we know and he he was open about okay i might mess this up a little bit but it doesn't make you any less valid but i want you to know that i'm trying and it's kind of strange to me 
that this would cause that kind of reaction within Star Trek fans because it's always been about the things that we may not necessarily understand and trying to understand them better. Uh, Jerry Ryan confirming that seven of nine is bisexual was good enough for me. Uh, yeah, we saw her relationship with Chakotay on Voyager. Uh, who, who's to say that liking women isn't something that any of us uh, that have that certain preference wouldn't change in 20 years? Who's to say? And I, I really don't understand why someone would have a problem with that. It's it's one person's individuality. Uh, one of the big things about Seven of Nine was always her discovering who she was as an individual, uh, separate from the collective. And if that's part of who she is as an individual, then no one should have a problem with that because no one should have a problem with anyone finding out who they are as an individual. Why would I have a problem with seven of nine being bisexual just because we didn't see something on TV or maybe it wasn't mentioned in the novel. So why would that be a problem? Uh, I don't understand why anyone would have an issue with that, but uh, let's go back to Picard and let's talk about uh, Rafi, a uh, character I absolutely loved. Uh, and and whatever this was, uh, holding hands with Seven of Nine, uh, it caused a lot of conversation. And let's, what do you think will come of it, Heather? What do you think will come of it? Oh, I... and another point, another point, another quick point. Yeah. Remember, Rafi had a son. So... Oh, yeah. Let's not gloss over the fact that we've already seen one bisexual character in Star Trek Picard already. There's nothing saying that there couldn't have been another one. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Seven and Rafi. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I've read several interviews since the episode aired. Um, one was with Michael Chabon. Uh, another, I, I think, was Jerry talking about it herself, or Jerry and Michelle. And from what I understand, that moment that they, that scene that they shot was built off the two actresses' chemistry with each other. Uh, they did San Diego Comic-Con together uh, last year. The entire cast did. And uh there was a picture that Jonathan Del Arco took of Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan in these gorgeous, I believe uh, Michelle was wearing a gorgeous red dress and Jerry was wearing a gorgeous white dress, or it, it might've been the opposite. Uh, but the two of them just had a stunning chemistry with each other. And that scene was built because they hadn't filmed that last episode yet. That scene was built off of that picture from San Diego Comic-Con because Kurtzman and Shabon and others looked at the two of them and said, wow, there's something like, there with those two. There, there's, there's something, something there. there. And I, I think that's one of the things that make it so special was that it, it wasn't something that was originally in the head of the writers in the first place. But it's something that these two women, due to their own chemistry and their own willingness 
to go there and uh, want to put a queer relationship on screen, that they they built this chemistry for their two characters. Uh, Chabon has said that they are going to explore the relationship between Seven and Rafi more in season two, which I am extremely looking forward to because it, it's like we have Stamets and Colbert on Discovery. And so we have uh, two men in a gay relationship. And I think it's really important to see the representation of two women in a relationship as well. And I am thrilled to see that for two amazing characters like Seven and Rafi. I think they're going to make and a really good amazing pair. Act- and two amazing actresses in Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan. Oh my gosh, yes. They're both absolutely fantastic actresses. If, if for no other reason, just to see those two play off of each other is something that I'm going to look forward to. Uh, just as a fan of the show, I'm looking forward to that. Um, being the cis hetero dude, that that's kind of how I see it. I I feel like this is okay. Uh, if Rafi is bisexual, fine. If Seven is bisexual, that is okay. I I don't understand why someone would be upset about it because something like this matters to Heather and other LBGTQIA people just as much as the relationship Ben and Jake Sisko had on DS9 to me. It matters in that same way. And it means something to queer people. And I see no reason why that can't exist in Star Trek. That's kind of what Star Trek has always been about. It's finding things in our society that can be represented and be seen as normal and okay. And I have no problem with that. I I, I hope they work out. I, I hope nothing but the best of them. And I'm looking forward to seeing Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan play off of one another. That that I hope for a lot. I completely agree. I I mean, t- to me, one of the biggest things that Star Trek is about is just about celebrating uh, differences. As uh, my one great friend <laughs> likes to say on on his podcast, uh, it's literally infinite diversity and infinite combinations is just a celebration of differences. And just because you don't understand something doesn't mean uh, it shouldn't be there. Uh, Like I, I, I just want to use this moment to encourage anyone who's listening to this. Like there's going to be aspects of, Star Trek and aspects of relationship and aspects of the representation that you see on the show that you don't understand. But that doesn't mean it's bad. That doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to be a part of it. Uh, To like be willing to listen and talk with people who do understand it and understand why it's important to them. And just because it's not important to you doesn't mean it's unimportant to someone else yeah just empathy it's not that hard it's really not uh well 
Thank you all for listening to episode eight of Promenade Merchants. Uh, Heather is going pretty well. Oh, by the way, we should talk about that little contest you've got going. Give us an update. <laughs> we should. Well, I, uh, I'm announcing the winner for my third pin. Uh, I, I've given away two pins so far. Uh, the third one I'll be announcing the winner on Monday. Uh, and the, those were my three TOS character pins. And then uh, the next three I have are Discovery character pins. Uh, so, And we've grown our Twitter follower fan base. We have over 100 followers now, which is incredible for our awesome little independent podcast. We are so thankful to everyone who is following and listening. And that's partially why I did the contest in the first place, because I, I, I don't say it often enough. I'm a bit of a shy dog sometimes, but I am so thankful for everyone who's willing to tune in and sorry for the motorcycles going by my window. It's a party over here in Ohio, but for everyone who's willing to tune in and listen to me and David uh, every two weeks talk about Star Trek and just share our love for Star Trek with all of you. Uh, thank you so much and uh, keep following my page. And if you haven't won a pin yet uh, and you want one, keep your eye out. I still have four more to give away. So, All right. And everybody follow Heather at NerdyGal33 to enter and win. And make sure you follow at Prom Trek pod as well i'm going to take back the con heather i have the bridge and thank you all for listening to the promenade merchants you can find us wherever you get your podcasts be it apple Podcasts, be it stitcher be it spotify yeah that's the one that's what it's called spotify and wherever podcasts can be aggregated or just at the mothership Delta Juliet Mike.com, where you see my other podcasts and all the other stuff I do. And until next time, walk with the prophets and live long and prosper. <laughs>